What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 21 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday on your favorite podcast service, we'll be discussing the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, what we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, please send an email to readypressplay at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at readypressplay. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to the uh, to your device as soon as it post and if you like it please leave us a nice review i'm your host Louis manchaca and i'm joined today as always by my co-host mr daniel lima hello Louis. it's nice to be here again oh man uh, i would say it's nice to be uh, here as well but man i am just having this crazy like lethargic week where it's like everything just kind of feels like blah and numb and just kind of like i don't want to do anything i didn't even twitch stream i didn't write an article i just wasn't in the mood to do anything I, I kind of relate, actually. I mean, I uh, well, we're, we're maybe going to get into this later, but we ended up canceling our uh, debut Ready Press Play stream, and I didn't Twitch stream either, and I barely even played any games, and it's just kind of being a... I feel like a lot of people out there are having a bit of a rough week, and I hope that we can bring at least a little bit of positive energy here today. You know, when we came up with this podcast, one of we, we had a few pillars that we thought off of like the things that we wanted to be special about the podcast that one of them is that we really wanted to bring in that positive energy. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that. Some weeks are harder than others. Some days are harder than others. But uh, hopefully, even though we, we were both kind of going through uh, some tough times in that sense that we can kind of bring in a little bit of positive energy for our listeners out there and just talk about games that we're excited about. Yes, absolutely. I am 100% there with you. A little escapism in this crazy time since uh, I feel like uh, us starting this podcast is just like just as the world became on set on fire. It's just kind of like us trying to be a little bit brighter, I guess, a little bright beacon, I guess, or something like yeah, something along sure. those lines. And, and, and in one way, you know, the the more we do this and the more we find ourselves in this continuing pandemic and almost semi-apocalyptical world situation in many ways, the more I'm glad that we actually started it. And, and, and it's kind of weird that we started it this year of all years, but having this weekly event that I get to look forward to and do it together with you and, and with some of the guests that we have and will continue to have um, has been a nice kind of touch point in the week to uh, just kind of ground myself a little bit and, and make sure I'm not spending too much time just on my own head by myself you know what i mean and, and granted i i'm with family and and i have uh, friends that i'm talking to and obviously i have my fiance and all that uh so i don't mean to be bleak about it but i just mean like i just want to highlight how uh, this podcast has actually been a very nice positive force uh in my week and and i hope it's been uh, a force for good in our listeners ears as well I'd li- i would like to think so yeah yeah we started off 2020 every we started off every year uh thinking that it's going to be our year especially because it's the start of a decade so it's still uh, the story is yet to be written we can still make some edits to these entries so let's go yeah, ahead and sure. uh, get into it here uh so we have some a little bit of housekeeping that i wanted to go over um so one of the things that we were talking about just behind the scenes, just Dan and I talking about how coronavirus kind of seems like the coronavirus watch segment, that's to say, is getting a little tiresome. You know, there's not as uh, we just kind of want to just put it back in just to like the regular top news. Uh, there's less stories of uh, of these delays happening now, and we can just kind of like we're saying the same thing over and over again. So we're just going to like pare it down and just kind of like cover it as we need to cover it, but just not make it its own dedicated segment anymore. Um 
We have one more story that we actually forgot to cover last week uh, as part of uh, Coronavirus Watch. So this is going to be the official last story of Coronavirus uh, Watch, the segment. So... <laughs> Uh, last week, uh, um, it was announced that BlizzCon 2020 was canceled. It usually runs in November, uh, sometimes late October. Uh, it was actually making it the latest event that's canceled on the calendar. So they're like, normally it's like, you know, you're two months out, then you cancel. Well, they're canceling it way out in November. Like that's a very far lead time. Um, and it's very interesting that they're doing it so well in advance. Um, which I guess makes sense, but at the same time, you know, people were hoping that things would like you know, have settled down by that time or something like that. But I guess they're just anticipating that there's no way to to run that event. I feel like at this point, uh, we're kind of past the optimistic view of, uh, oh, this is going to get better soon and this is going to get better soon. And if not this week, next week, if not this month, next month. And I feel like everybody has just kind of accepted that. Uh, I mean, forgive my wording here, but that this year is probably fucked already, <laughs> you know, and and that we're unlikely to be in a much better situation uh, anytime soon. So might as well cancel it. You know, the earlier they cancel it, the easier it is to deal with the fallback on the cancellation. True. So I can see why they would do that. True. Also, kind of on this subject and talking about the the our, our changes with the with the podcast segments. You know, when when we started like coronavirus watches this as his own segment in the beginning of the show and then and then bringing in the news that were related to that separating them from other uh video game news i uh i kind of expected that that would be something that we would do for a couple weeks and then be done with it you know uh i think as everybody kind of underestimated the the size of this pandemic in the beginning it seemed like it was something that we we're going to do for a certain amount of episodes and then once things settle down we're going to go back to normal and then not have to do it anymore so the idea of just kind of having this little like self-contained watch in the beginning of the show made sense but as we continue to go through the year that is now intertwined with all of like the entertainment industry as a whole and there's no more clear separation i i even feel like of what is a the coronavirus specific new story versus what's just a new story of what's happening because everything is influenced by it in one way or another and in some ways we're going to be talking about the ramifications of this pandemic for you know years. at least the rest of the year most likely if not multiple years um so at this point i think it makes sense to this is just accept basically accept that this is no longer uh this unusual a separate thing and that is just part of reality for now for the time being um which may sound a little bit bleak and a little bit more negative than you were trying to make it lewis but uh yeah, yeah. My, my point is like you know at this point it's just news it's just it's just more news and we're just gonna have our like typical top news top gaming news segment yeah, I mean, people are still optimistic. I'll just put it to you this way: like, um, mm -hmm. they, uh, there's a lot of there's a couple of movies that are still scheduled to come out in July in the movie theaters, like um, Christopher Nolan's movie Tenet, and uh, also uh, the two majors that I was planning on going to this year at Super Smash Brothers. They are still. Uh, they are still technically selling tickets. Actually, no, I take that back. One of them is selling tickets. One of them said that they were going to start selling tickets in April, but they never actually opened up the website to buy tickets. So that's actually kind of funny. Mm -hmm. And the website still says registration begins in April, but it doesn't actually have the ability like, or no link or no nothing to start an, uh, a registration at all. So I think that's kind of funny. But basically, those two uh, tournaments I'm thinking about, uh, one's in July and one's in August, they are both still on the calendar and neither have their, their official Twitters or anything have canceled mm -hmm. those tournaments. So so um, I will let you guys know once that happens. But for now, they're still on the calendar. So people people still have some semblance of optimism. Um, 
But me personally, I, I think uh, I have not. I think I even if they were still going on, I don't think I'm going to attend them either of them. So yeah. Yeah, it it also depends on which state you're on, honestly, and I guess which country you're on as well. If we have people listening from outside the United States, like I know that I I know people in Florida that have been tell that have been telling me that a lot of things are already opening up over there. But as far as I know, there some some places might be um opening things up before it's recommended by you know the the health authorities and etc i don't want to speak too much here because i would end up speaking out of my ass and not a turn on on subjects that i'm not that familiar with necessarily but it could be that a part of it is optimism it could be that part of it is just not <laughs> not accepting the the realities of uh of the health recommendations i guess but i don't sure. know yeah all right, uh, so let's make this uh, quick here because we both actually put a pass on this one. But uh, the games we play, we usually do a segment where we talk about what we're playing. But unfortunately, we kind of don't have uh, any new games that we're playing. Uh, just for me, for me, real quick, I'm just going to say that I played more Fortnite. I said last week that I had to do the, the challenges for my nephew to get him to level 180. I did accomplish that feat, um, and he got his, his little gold cat skin. And um, I ended up trying to play it uh, some more on my account. But I was so like tired of grinding the same challenges over and over again that I actually didn't <laughs> even uh, get to 180. So I think I stopped at 155 right now, and I don't have time to play it anymore. So on Saturday, when the season changes over, I'm not. I'm gonna be reset to one, and I won't have a. I won't have a, that that skin, and I can. I can only hope and pray that they will allow me to earn that skin next season. But if not, then it is what it is. Louis, do you think I can adopt you as an uncle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just thinking it would be nice to be able to <laughs> to be like, hey, Louis, can you beat this game for me? Or like, can you can you do these challenges for me and then just have you do it? I'm just fucking right. <laughs> It was so miserable, um, though. Like, I'm not going to lie. And also, <laughs> but I, I will say, like, as a separate side note, it was easier to do those challenges uh, on his on his profile because I tried doing mm -hmm. the exact same challenges um, on my PlayStation, and I couldn't do them. And it was just mm. the, the opponents are so much tougher. Like, like, one of the challenges is, like, get top 10 10 times in a row. And I'm like... Not in a row, but like 10 times, actually. I just I was trying to do it in a row to be more time efficient. But anyways, <laughs> get top 10, 10 times. And I'm like, I did it, Rip. I did it. It was a grind. It was a time I was a time waster, but I was able to do it on the Switch. No problem, you know. Uh, but on the PlayStation 4, I kept getting like top, bottom 50, like, you know, 60th, 50th place. And I'm like, I was super pissed and bummed. I didn't even, actually, <laughs> I don't think I uh, did that challenge. But yeah, uh, that's pretty much all I have to say on that. Uh, did you have anything that you wanted to add for, for this part? Uh, I haven't really been playing anything, not even the games that I've been playing for the past few weeks. I, I didn't even get to play them this week. I will say, though, that a game that I played in the past that I did not get to bring up in the in the podcast, so I'm going to use this as an opportunity to kind of give it a shout out, is that um, Super Mario Galaxy 2 turned 10 years old this year. It was, a, like, a few, I think a few weeks ago, they were, like, tweeting about it. And seeing the tweets about Super Mario Galaxy 2 made me actually want to go back and play, not 2, but the original Super Mario Galaxy from 2007. And I, I played it for a few hours. I, I went through some of the initial levels and everything. And it was interesting to play a Wii game in 2020 on... Uh, I, I think I might have mentioned this before, but I've been spending a lot of time in, in my parents' house over the last few weeks. And I did it in, like, their big 4K TV. So uh, <laughs> you can imagine what like a, a 2007 P, Wii yeah. game looks like in, in, a, in a 4K TV. Um, you can really see, like, how... Um, 
what the what the scaling uh does to it and and just kind of how how bad these games used to look compared to like how they look in hd that being said i mean i do think the game still holds up i i had plenty of fun with it and it does have a really cool art style uh so it makes me wish that they could uh upscale that game and, and remaster it and re-release it one and two probably on the switch uh and i think that would be cool but yeah they, super mario galaxy still holds up they probably are and also my nephews uh my nephews are they played it recently. I think I, I tweeted me too or something like that to your tweet when you uh, talked about it on your Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, my nephews were like asking me to uh, to play Mario Galaxy. And I'm like, you you know, you have it at your house. And they're like, no, we don't. And then like, oh, they just don't know how to use their Wii. Like they have it unplugged. And right. I'm like, okay, well, they're little, you know. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. And so I put it on for them. And so they got to play Mario Galaxy. And uh, my nephew, who's eight, he was playing it in one player. And then the second player, my other nephew, he is about to turn five. And so he was that little brother mode where you just kind of like wave the Wii remote on the TV to collect oh, the yeah. star bits. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. here, you can help him. You can you can help him. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even tell him to shoot. I, I could have told him how to shoot the star bits, but I also didn't want him to waste it because he would have just like spammed it and got rid of all the star bits. So, yeah. So it's kind of fun. It was cool. Yeah, for sure. All right. So it is now time for some, some news. There we go. All right. So... For this top story, it's basically like three or four stories, but it's all under one umbrella. Uh, so we're going to cover them kind of in sort of an a, order. I don't know how it's going to happen, but uh, let's just go with it. So last week when we were talking about the podcast, we had uh, made a, I made a prediction that June 4th would be the day uh, that we would have their, uh, the PlayStation 5 presentation. And I was right. Uh, the, the day we posted the podcast, Sony put on their Twitter they, and uh, and even put on ESPN and commercials. And they're like, hey, uh, be, a com- be ready for June 4th because that's the future of PlayStation. And then um, shit happened and Sony postponed their PlayStation 5 event. And so this story comes from The Verge. As you will see, I managed to basically pull almost every single story this podcast from The Verge. So I'm sorry about that. Uh, so this story was written by Tom Warren. Uh, Sony is post, post, uh, postponing its PlayStation 5 event that was scheduled for June 4th due to ongoing protest. And quote, while we understand gamers worldwide are excited to see PS5 games, we do not feel that right now is the time for celebration. Close quote. Sony uh, said Sony in a Twitter message. Uh, open quote. And for now, we want to stand back and allow for more important voices to be heard. Close quote. Sony is clearly referencing the response to uh, the death of George Floyd in Minnesota and the resulting protests we've seen uh, take place in the U.S., and around the world. Sony has had uh, had been planning to use Thursday's event to showcase PlayStation 5 games, promising an hour-long event where they first look at some of uh, games people will be playing when the PlayStation 5 launches this holiday season. Widespread protests have taken uh, place across major cities in the U.S., resulting in shocking examples of police brutality. The uprising started last week after Floyd's death and have escalated significantly over the weekend. Last week, Twitter even placed a warning on the president's tweet about looting for, quote, glorifying violence, close quote. Sony's decision to allow uh, to, Sony's decision to follow uh, Sony's decision follows a similar move uh, made by EA uh, to delay its Madden NFL 21 event today and Google's decision to delay its Android 11 beta announcement. Sony has not yet revealed the new date for the PS5 event. So uh, should we continue going on on the next story or should we uh, uh, just talk about just like dissect this one? 
No, we can. Well, we can. We can talk about this for a second. Okay. So, I mean, if 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 you've listened, if you're listening to this podcast, um, I'm led to assume that that you probably have some level of involvement with technology and with social media, probably. And if you're involved in social media in any way, I'm sure that you've been exposed um, to a lot of the things that are being shared over over the last week in regards to the horrific murder of George Floyd. And and the protests that rightfully ensued after that, and also the often terrifying response that the protests have been getting and everything. And Louis and I were, were kind of struggling, like before when we were talking about it before the show, like trying to figure out how we're going to approach this topic that I think it's, you know, it's a big elephant in the room is, is, is a very important topic. It's something that's shaking, taking the world by storm and influenced every single aspect um, of, you know, entertainment and games and everything, you know, everything is getting delayed. And so many companies are, you know, coming out in support of uh, this movement of the Black Lives Matter movement. And the the thing is, Louis and I do not necessarily think we are the best voices, per se, to be talking about this. And uh, we don't think that we're necessarily really qualified to talk about this in the extent that it should be talked about, because we have not lived the experiences that the people that are mostly in charge of the movement and coordinating the movement have gone through. And obviously, we support the movement. And we that's actually one of the reasons why we ended up delaying our stream. And we even, you know, tweeted about it with the hashtag Black Lives Matter. And we want to incentivize everybody listening to this podcast to go and read about it, get informed, uh, donate to George Floyd's family. If you can donate to the cause, uh, we're going to be linking in the show notes. I'm going to make sure to add this an article from Polygon. It is called How to Support Black Lives Matter and the Protests Against police brutality, where to donate, where to volunteer, and where to protest. This article was written by Karen Han, Emily Heller, and Petrana Radulovich, and is just a comprehensive guide with a variety of links of causes that need your help right now, and a lot of different ways that you can help, even if you are unable to donate due to your you know, financial situation, as far as general recommendations and things to read and things to watch. So we figured that instead of us trying to go in and speak deeply about a subject that, I mean, really, we are likely not educated enough and have not experienced enough to be able to talk about in a in a fully fledged and fair manner, that we should instead direct our small audience to go look into the information that's out there so that they can help in, the, in, in a more directed way. Um, I have been tweeting a few things as well. So if you see my Twitter feed, you might see some links for donations that I have posted before. Uh, but we're also going to be adding this Polygon article to the show notes so that I, I would please ask that regardless of whether you feel like you're able to help or not, that you at least go and read about it and see what are the things that you could potentially do. Um, and then we're going to read a few more stories, perhaps, that, that are 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 related to this but i just wanted to put this out there as our statement and where we stand with it we support the movement we would like to ask our audience to help as much as possible and we're going to be leaving the link in the show notes for what we think is a more trusty uh resource to look at absolutely um i had a friend of mine and i'm pretty sure he listens to the podcast and he'll know what i'm talking about but um he told me about how uh, we all are like one organism that like um like every cell in your body is a living thing in and of itself but they also work together to form the bigger whole 
And so he was trying to explain to me, like, you know, this is, we are all living in one, one network. When one thing happens somewhere, it like, it ripples across the network. You don't, you don't understand the gravity of like, you're in the, the, the 10 degrees or the seven degrees of separation, how these impacts can happen and stuff. And, and so I kind of like, I I was reminded of that this week, whenever, you know, this horrible thing that happened to George Floyd and how it just rippled across and just really like paused everything, um, not just like just from a gaming news perspective, but also just in terms of everyone is there was a lot of curfews that are happening across these cities and everything was just being shut down. And just uh, a lot of people were hurting when their when their small businesses get like looted and just vandalized. And it really it just I, I don't I don't know what else to say other than just everything sucks. But just this uh, I just wanted to say this eye opening part where it's just like, yeah, it's like we are we are all living in like the same the same like organism network thing that he was just trying to explain to me something that I didn't get then but I kind of really like able to you know sense it now more so uh, when it's like shoved in my face uh, so to speak yeah for sure for sure and and everything you know like you said affects everything else and that means that your actions as a human should also take into account not just your own self but also the whole and I think it's everybody's duty to do their best to you know help um, the people around them help the people in their communities, help the minorities in their communities and the people that need the most help and, and just kind of be aware and, and be as educated as they can about everything that's going on around them. Right. Like we all have that duty as citizens, not just of a country, but as citizens of this world uh, to kind of like look out for each other. Right. And I think this is a moment where we're kind of being asked to uh, to try to look out for each other in the best way that we can. And I know that everybody's going to have a slightly different opinion of what that means for them. Uh, and some people are going to want to donate to, you know, George Floyd's family, or some people are going to donate want to donate to like a specific cause and etc. Some people are going to want to go out and protest. Some people are not going to feel safe doing that. And there's a lot going on. And uh, I'm not here to judge the way that e- each person chooses to help or get involved. I just thought it was important to bring up that I do think it's everybody's duty to try to get involved in some way, even if it is, you know, learning and educating those around you and talking to those around you and and trying to make sure we're not getting distracted because really there's so many distractions out there. Um, but there is one core problem here that uh, that people are trying to work towards and it's really what sparked the whole thing. And I think that's important to look at what sparked the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, which is the horrific event. Okay. So there's a couple of things that I wanted to cover here. Uh, so before I, I have an editorial here that I'm going to bring up, but before we do that, let me just uh, get through this article here. This was uh, written by PC Gamer, and uh, this is regarding IGN's Summer of Gaming. Their event was also delayed. It was set to start uh, today at the day of the posting of this podcast, but it has now been moved to Monday, uh, June, June the 8th. And so this article was written by uh, Andy Chalk. And so IGN has pushed back the start of its summer of gaming event from June 5th to June 8th, uh, quote, out of respect for and it, out of respect for and in support for of those rightfully demanding justice and changes across the United States and the world. So their Twitter uh, statement says Black Lives Matter, period. 
IGN will go silent uh, today, which was Tuesday, in support of Blackout Tuesday to encourage reflection and dedicate ourselves to meaningful change in our community. And so their, uh, their longer statement reads, uh, we stand in solidarity with the black community and condemn racism. Uh, out of respect uh, for and in support of those rightfully demanding justice and a change across the United States and the world, IGN will be delaying the launch of its Summer of Gaming main, uh, main events until June 8th. Today, IGN is participating in Blackout Tuesday, a day of reflection, action, and commitment to meaningful change. IGN will be driving uh, donations to support the uh, NAACP Legal Defense Fund, an organization that supports legal action and long-term change, including on our daily lives, uh, daily live news show, uh, NG+. Our sister company, Humble Bundle, has announced a $1 million fund dedicated to helping publish games by uh, black developers. This is a start. We are committed to driving long-term change. We will have more updates on how we will continue to support the fight for justice. Uh, so... That is a lot to take in there and to help parse through these things. I do want to read an editorial, and this is my, my good friend, uh, David Whitaker. He's also known on Twitter uh, as uh, Fame uh, Entertainment and Fame ENT2K. He is my, he's been my boss for like over a decade now. Uh, I, I worked for him. Uh, he was my supervisor when I, I had my first job. And then we just kept in touch. We were just friends uh, back then, and we stayed uh, we stayed in touch. I had him a guest on my podcast, and then he remembered me to reach out to me, and he asked me to be a part of his website. So uh, again, this is my uh, my my good friend David Whitaker. He is he wrote a story regarding the uh, how gaming news uh, stood still, and so these are his uh, these are his words. Gaming news isn't a bit of a standstill. Typically, we are blessed with gaming news daily. From PR releases, from publishers and developers, to video game announcements, there was always a story to be told. Even through the COVID-19 pandemic, gaming news never stopped. Though we sadly lost E3, PAX East, and others to digital events, the news never stopped flowing. That was all true until now. Protesting, riots, and looting, oh my. Unless you have been living under a rock, you are aware of what is going on outside. Police brutality and killing of another unarmed black male was the tipping point for a social movement. People around the globe have been protesting these injustices with their voices. However, through the peaceful protests, some have decided to take uh, things further and began to loot businesses at random. This call for change has not gone unheard by those who uh, give us in the media something to write about and talk about. Recently, Sony had been advertising their anticipated June 4th PlayStation 5 uh, games reveal on ESPN. Soon after that, Sony released a statement stating that the event was postponed due to the events in the world. Though I do not speak for them, it is my belief that Sony and PlayStation team did not want to take away from the voices that needed to be heard right now, and I commend them for that. Although Sony is the big name, they are not the only company. Many video game publishers and developers have gone silent and have chosen to amplify the voices of those who cry out for the justice and change. People like Microsoft's Aaron Greenberg and creative director at SIE Santa Monica, Corey Barlog, have chosen to tweet out the hashtag Black Lives Matter and support the movement instead of talking video game content. For a lot of people, the wonderful world of gaming is an escape from reality. I, for one, feel the same way. Video games, uh, in a way, help us forget the evilness in the world and go to a place of joy and happiness. Sometimes we need to be in a made-up world to take a step uh, back from the real world. However, in times like these, we must face the real world head-on. With that, we can all be a part of the change. The gaming world knows this, which is why there was a moment of silence.
Oh, God damn it. It was so hard. <laughs> I was getting yeah. a little choked up, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little misty-eyed. And I don't know if it's because yeah. I wasn't blinking or because it was hurting. It was just it was just too real. Or maybe both. No, it is very he- real and, and it is uh, very heartfelt. Um, and, and we're, uh, we're trying to, uh, schedule David to be a, a guest in the show eventually as well. So, uh, that's something that you can, uh, look forward to. I, I would love to have, uh, his voice on this and I would especially love to have him, uh, talk about this topic if he would like to use our platform to talk about this topic at all. But yeah, man, it's just, it's rough, you know, and, and, and it's rough out there. And I actually, I do commend actually, uh, PlayStation and IGN and all of the other, companies that have spoken out about this and that have chosen to move their events based on this because i i just think it's not the moment right now obviously i do think there's multiple reasons why these companies are likely doing this it is for the reason that dave david talked about on his editorial it's, it is also probably because you know it's it's a bad look and it's just not a good timing it's not good timing to be talking about the things that they want to talk about right now so so it makes perfect sense that that they would be doing this uh but i still commend them for it i think it's the right decision for a lot of different reasons and i think it's good that we we were almost forced to take a moment this week to um not fall on our typical distractions and escapisms i mean like 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 he said in his editorial like escapism is good is, is great but from time to time it it is important like for for major issues like this um when major things like this are happening around us it is important to actually pay attention to the real world and and not just lose yourself um in kind of your distractions right um so once again i i commend them for that i i really like david's uh editorial and and i think that an interesting thing to remind everybody too is that this isn't like i i personally do not believe this is a partisan cause and i know that there are people that are making it seem like it is and and even when lewis and i were coming up with the with a podcast we're like we're kind of like thinking that we didn't want to like cover like partisan causes a lot of times because that's kind of a can of worms and it's controversial and we don't think this is what our podcast should be about so we wanted to kind of like stay away from some of that uh but i hate it too when people take things that are very simple and i mean they're not simple simple but like there's a very clear right here like black lives matter of course you know what i mean like what happened was horrible of course like that's not partisan you may have a partisan opinion over details of how things are being handled but ultimately the message here is something that i've seen lot lots of people um around me and lots of people in my feeds like come together on and i think this is a moment that we should really unite you know regardless of your political beliefs regardless of you know your partisan beliefs i think we should all unite behind this cause and understand that you know there are problems in our country that we need to work towards resolving and that ultimately black lives matter that what happened was horrible and that we can do better you know i I don't know what what do you think lewis um there's i've have i have a lot of like thoughts on this situation i've actually had similar discussions on my previous podcast regarding uh the similar scenarios and i've even had like stories where like i talked about like my run-ins with the cops and how things were like pretty shysty on my part and Mm -hmm. i i really empathize um i'm just me personally just like i guess uh, going away from the the gaming side of things just i feel like i might say something a little controversial here but i'm just glad that i have yet to see anybody like tweet or rebuttal 
against this hashtag because I, last time this happened, people were saying hashtag all lives matter. And so mm. I'm just glad that that's kind of like no longer a thing from the, from what I, from what I gathered. And, um, this kind of, uh, feels like this is going to be one of those times where like you got to strike while the iron's hot. If you continue this momentum, maybe we can really change like the, the whole like institution involved. And, and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, these companies are like giving way, uh, to just not make it about them. And it's the right move. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the things that I didn't, I didn't read the last full article in its entirety, but the last article did mention that also uh, the cyberpunk, uh, their announcement was also postponed as well. So basically everyone's, everyone's announcements were all postponed. So yeah, yeah, that was included. And we do still want to make the, the, our playthrough of a way out, which by the way, would have been a very interesting game to be playing right now as well, because it's about two guys trying to escape prison. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right yeah not, not, i know not right that, suddenly <laughs> yeah that kind of us kind of feels very like just out of like if that was a thing it would kind of feel not i don't know how did, how did is it tone deaf or is it uh what's i don't i kind of almost want it, to, it <laughs> would yeah it would be it would either be very good if we used it to sell the message of like fuck the police or it would potentially be very tone deaf but the the thing too is that we don't know what the ending of the game is and we don't know what the ultimate message is there right true uh, but that's not that's obviously not the reason why we postponed it i think louis had not even thought about that aspect of it until now yeah um but we have not yet decided and schedule when we're gonna actually be doing it but keep an eye out on our twitters we're likely probably once we see some you know this situation kind of i i assume that at some point we're gonna see some legislation i would like to hope that we're gonna see some legislation get in place and that people are gonna take action there's a, there's already some action that was taken uh with them arresting you know the cop involved i think they're going after the other cops that were involved right now as well and they changed um, and their then, and then they changed their uh their thing from third degree to second, I believe. So it carries a bigger mm -hmm. sentence. Yes. And, and obviously, like it's not like the situation is gonna get resolved, you know, as we snap our fingers. But as as things kind of as action is taken to to help alleviate and and resolve and put us on the right path to solving some of these issues, uh, then we're probably gonna decide when we're actually gonna be uh starting or or twitch stream yes. but we're, we're still the plans are still in place yes absolutely i mean like like it, it's one of those kind of situations where we both we both agreed like behind the scenes like we just don't feel like now is the time for self-promotion or just like yeah. bullshitting on twitch so uh that's why you know that's what you do when you do a two-player game is you kind of like just shoot the shit and just like kind of like have fun and laugh uh, this is not that time is there's no mood for it right now so that's why we just gonna have to like play it by ear and see when see when the date falls and we'll we'll communicate that with you guys of course All right, some more traditional news. Here we go. 
All right, so this uh, comes from The Verge again. Uh, this is written by Nick Stat. So Sony confirms PS5 will have exclusive games playable only on next-gen hardware. Uh, this was talking about more what I was concerned about earlier. All right, here we go. The PlayStation 5 will have one selling point uh, Sony thinks uh, might be more important to fans who are on the fence about upgrading to a new generation of gaming consoles, and that is exclusive titles only playable on the newer hardware. Speaking with GamesIndustry.biz in an interview with uh, published on Friday, uh, PlayStation boss Jim Ryan said his company's upcoming device, which as of today has its first official event revealed, scheduled for next week, which is not true anymore, uh, will have games with uh, uh, which will have games you cannot play on the existing PlayStation 4 devices. Of course, uh, there. That's been uh, true of pretty much every past console generation of the last three decades, but it's notable, uh, notable now because Sony had it, and its primary competitor, Microsoft, have gone to great lengths over the last few years to create a new system architect architectures that bridge current and future generations of gaming hardware. That means, in theory, Sony could release new games for both the PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 4, as Microsoft plans to do this with its Xbox One uh, platform for at least the first couple of years after the release of its more powerful next-gen Xbox Series X. But Ryan said that he wants to give PlayStation fans, quote, something new, something different, that can only be enjoyed on PlayStation 5. Um, quote, we have always said uh, that we believe in generations. We believe that uh, when you go all the... Uh, we believe that when you go to all the trouble of creating a next-gen console, that it should uh, create, uh, that it should include features and benefits that previous generations does not include, and that, in our view, uh, people should should make games that can make the most of those features. He said, "We b we do believe in generations, and whether it's the DualSense controller, whether it's the 3D audio, whether whether it's the multiple ways this SSD can be used, we are thinking that it's time to give the PlayStation community something new, something different that can only be enjoyed." on a PS5. Uh, that is, of course, and that's close quote, that is, of course, uh, less of a technical debate about platform capabilities and more of a conversation around marketing strategy. Both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X will support backwards compatibility, meaning you'll uh, be able to play most, if not all, of your current uh, game library on the next-gen device. But only Microsoft is uh, so far committed to supporting cross-generation uh, cross support for first-party games, like the upcoming launch of Halo Infinite that will be playable on PC, Xbox Series X, and Xbox One. Third-party developers like Madden and FIFA owners uh, e Electronic Arts and Assassin's Creed Valhalla maker uh, Ubisoft are also far more likely to continue uh, supporting current and future generations simultaneously for quite some time. That makes sense. Microsoft's entire platform strategy going forward is about de-emphasizing what device you're playing on and focusing instead on letting players move uh, purchases across platforms with, in some cases, cross-save and cross-buy features. So this article goes on and on. I'm like, and I'm going to stop here. Uh, basically, the gist yeah. is... Um, I had a, I, I said this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago where um, I said that games can only be designed in a certain ambitious way if you're going to make it exclusively for the next gen. And I feel like Jim Ryan is speaking to me when he says that. Like, like we we want to design a game that's only uh, able to be designed uh, with these new uh, the new gen in mind. So like when I when they're talking about the SSD and how like uh, like the actual world map can be designed, uh, it can be designed around that faster loading screen. And I imagine that like uh, getting rid of those fake loading screens um, would be a problem if you're trying to develop for both systems you know like are you going to be making those fake uh, tight corners that you have to squeeze through on the PlayStation 5 as well because it's got to be on the PlayStation 4 to make the same experience or do you want to just like kind of open up the world and just you know do it right or go big you know that's that's my take on that I I, uh, 
I do like the idea that they're like saying, you know, we believe in generations, and that's why I even asked uh, Dan about where the switch lies and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, that's my take. This is this is always an interesting conversation and one that we've had a few times on the podcast because of what you know the different approach that Microsoft is taking to this whole thing, which they've highlighted in the article. Uh, Microsoft has said that the games that are going to be coming out for at least the first two years of Series X being on the market will continue to be backwards and forward compatible with the with Xbox One. And I think that includes all the way up to the base Xbox One console released in 2013. The VCR. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, the way that... Uh, <laughs> the way that technology evolves and software evolves is as is is such that at some point depending on the features that you're using and the way that you're pushing your the hardware that you're building the game for uh, that you're not going to be able to have full compatibility with all SKUs of potential hardware we see people go through that with pc games i mean like if you have a very old pc you can't really run a lot of newer games to a good quality if you have a top of the line pc right now you can run everything at some point when you're building games you're trying to build them for the not necessarily all of your audience but the majority of your audience right so if, if somebody's building a game for you know the the ps2 in the past they were to make sure that the game worked on the ps2 and that everybody that had a ps2 could play it so they're theoretically building the game for 100 percent of the people that own a ps2 but that's not the case with pcs and it's definitely not the case with mobile games so with mobile games when you're working on a mobile game you usually have an idea of what the people that are likely to be playing your game what devices they own and if you know if less than five percent of those people have very old devices perhaps it's not as important to support those devices and companies can make decisions of where that cutting point is okay we're going to go from the iphone 8 till the iphone 11 um or something along those lines so i feel like we're, we're going to get to that point with consoles um especially on microsoft side i think we're gonna you know first we're gonna see games that work from on the xbox one all the way to the series x and then maybe at some point games are only going to work on one x to series x and then maybe there'll be series x and above and then at that point maybe we're already going to have like two different iterations after the series x it's really turning um microsoft consoles in, into a more like similar like a market that's more similar to the mobile market and to the pc market but what this article really says is that basically in summary playstation is not doing that playstation is still doing things as they've always done things which is there's going to be a new console new games the majority of new games are likely going to be exclusive to the new console and they're going to be built for the new console they'll be built with that exclusivity in mind and the games are likely to be a little bit better um for that reason i think there's some arguments to be made there over whether that's the right call or not um i very much like the kind of player i feel like player friendly way of releasing games and and them like working on a variety of different devices uh but i know that there's also advantages to building games this way and i know that the playstation first party is really going to want to push that console to the max uh so it makes sense for them can you imagine like just like I, I want to. I have an. I have a badass game, and it's gonna run on the eleven, the iPhone eleven Pro Max. But I also need to make sure that it scales so it runs on the iPhone four S or something like that. Uh, I'm just, yeah, just, just joking. Well, of course, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, but you you have a point, right? Because like some companies might be pushing for that. Obviously, at this point, the amount of people that have the four S is so small. Uh, it really is. Like the statistics is like they're. It's probably it would probably be under one percent that you can very easily say, okay, well, let's not worry about that. It's not worth the cost. Um, but at some point you do have to go, you, you do have to go far, at least a few generations there. Um, obviously with phones, a generation means a year. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little bit different. Um, 
I don't know. I, I actually, it's funny that I, I, I know that you're going to be a day one purchaser of the PS5, uh, but there's a good chance that I won't. And so to me, it's actually a little bit of a bummer <laughs> in the sense that I would hope that if we got a new badass first party game, like early 2021, that maybe I could still play that on my PS4 Pro. Um, but if that's not the case, that's, I mean, it's effective, right? Because it's probably just going to push me over the edge to buy the PS5 a little bit earlier than I normally would. I just think, I just laughed at the way you said PS4 Pro because it almost made you sound like, like little Timmy begging for like a, like a bowl of, of like soup or something like that. <laughs> My PS4 Pro, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I just, I read into that, that, that enunciation a little bit too much, but it just kind of like strike me as, please, sir, may I have another? Uh, but, um, interesting though. I, I just... I, I, my my whole thing is like I I, uh, I want these games to be designed in the most ambitious way possible, and I don't want them to be bottlenecked. Um, and of course, I think I, I, I think um, I think that what he says kind of like confirms my suspicions. And um, I don't know. I'm just gonna take that. Um, I want to. I, I don't know. I just. I, it's great for developers. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. I mean, developers do like this stuff. Like if they can just focus on one hardware, one skew. it's like less testing. It's it's you can have a more focused development just for that hardware. Like that's great. But then it also diminishes your pool of potential buyers, right? Yeah. So like in this case, you know, I, I bet a lot of developers would love to put their games on the PS4 as well. And that's why so many third party developers are going to do it, because then you got 100 million people that could potentially buy your game as opposed to like a few million uh, in the, a few million in the first a few months of the PS5, probably. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure on the third party side that that's how it's going to work. I mean, like, and I think about the yeah. PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4, how it's like, you know, you got your Assassin's Creeds and stuff that all came out simultaneously on both on both systems. Yeah. Your Destiny, Watch Dogs, yeah, Destiny, yeah. like those um, things. Are, obviously, all the sports games. Yeah. Those things make sense. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit uh, tarnish or like poo poo third parties because obviously your install base is going to be much lower on a PS5. Um, but as far as like the first party side, of course, you're you're just going to put all your resources in the newest the newest tech. I mean, it's like that's like you're, it's like asking Nintendo to like develop a Wii U game at the same time as a Switch or something like that. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. they technically did that with Breath of the Wild, but that was a swan song for the Wii U. But yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's that's my take. Uh, let's let's go ahead and move on. Here we go. We have uh, mo- a couple more stories to hit on. Uh, first off, uh, another story here uh, written by The Verge, and this is regarding Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield's first expansion will arrive on June 17th. It is the Isle of Armor uh, that includes new Pokemon and Gigantamax forms. And this was written by uh, Megan oh, Faro. Farok Manesh. Farok Manesh, yeah. Okay. Farok Manesh. There we go. I think that's what it is. All right, thanks. Thanks for the save. Thanks for the assist there. All right, here we go. So <laughs> the new expansion will be available on June 17th. It's called the Isle of Armor, um, along with the uh, the Crown Tundra, uh, which was announced in January. It'll add some new characters, some new Pokemon, and, air, and new areas to explore. And a new trailer uh, that was uh, dropped uh, shows off some, uh, con- some of the content that players can expect. In uh, Isle of Armor, players can, will also get uh, Gigantamax evolutions for their starter, uh, starter Pokemon's final evolution. Uh, Rehoboom, uh, Cinderace, and Inteleon. Original starters of Venusaur and Blastoise are also getting their Gigantam- Gigantamax forms uh, to join Charizard, who already appears in Sword and Shield. Uh, the Crown Tundra is expected in the fall, and it will uh, introduce Galarian forms of legendaries like Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres, in addition to many more. So I've seen the images of those new uh, legendary uh, trini- uh, trio right there. It was dope AF, and I've seen the uh, the, the images of 
of uh, Gigantamag Blastoise and Venusaur. I got to give a shout out to Venusaur. He looks really dope. I'm really feeling it, but I also don't uh, own those games, or nor will I be buying those expansions because we've covered on the previous <laughs> podcast how I felt about that whole situation. So there we go. Let me ask you a quick question. How would you feel if, like, towards the end of the year and maybe for Black Friday or something, they did a $60 package, like Pokemon Sword and Shield Game of the Year Edition, where it's like the base game from last year plus the expansion content out for like 60 bucks. And then at that point, it like maybe has all the the full Pokedex or something. Oh, yeah. Maybe they do a little bit some more expansions since then. So basically, what if at the end of this year, you can buy that Pokemon game without the add-on content and the full Pokedex for $60 as opposed to having a new Pokemon game? I would probably buy it, but they also went out of their way to, t- to, to message that they're not trying to re-release the games. That they're trying to say mm. that the expansions is the third version. You know how like it was red and blue, then yellow, and then like uh, yeah. gold and silver, then crystal. Like they're trying. They to... haven't really done that in a while, though, right? They because like it... they did it with like Black Omega. And white. Uh, they did it with Sun and Moon, with Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon on the 3DS. Uh, but they haven't done it with the Switch because obviously this is like the first version, the first game on the Switch. Right. So. Well, what I was gonna say is that like like I remember like Black and White came out and then everybody was like waiting for Pokemon Gray and then that never Black, happened. But they did Black, Black, Black and White too. Yeah, Black two and White too. Yeah. And and then and then I feel like that's the same with like Sun and Moon, where it's like it was more like a sequel than a third version. Yeah. In my in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, basically the sequels are like they're like you know we could do a third version or we could make money by doing it two times over. You know, like I just that's that's yeah. me being very jaded and stuff about it, uh, because I'm pretty sure it worked. But at the same no, time, no, I get that. I mean, they they milked the crap out of this franchise. So like, I I couldn't like I I'm sure there's people out there that love it and are very happy about it, and that's great for them. But I understand why you would look at it that way because I, I kind of do too. You know, um, at this point, I feel like I mean, I uh, I'm happy for the developers of Pokemon and the success that they're getting, but I can't help but feel like the franchise has become like a a little bit of a cash grab at this point just just because of the amount you know of games and and all these like you know this expansion coming out for like 30 dollars like how cool would have been if this game got some kind of free dlc or stuff like that you know Um, yeah honestly i kind of wish maybe it did i kind of wish that this game just came out this november like for the first time and it just came out like content complete at least complete. not even uh, not even they can still do the isle of armor and crown tundra expansions like later on uh but they can just like have the Pokedex done, you know, at the very least. Um, people were like, I've read the reviews and people were saying that it was a little, uh, a little hollow. And I kind of almost wish that the Switch's narrative, uh, that Pokemon stuck with the Switch's narrative, like how uh, the Switch is all about like these franchises getting a, a, bre- a new breath of fresh air and getting reinvigorated, like Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. Like everyone was expecting that Pokemon would follow suit in that, like this is the Switch, it's gonna revitalize the franchise. But instead, this is kind of like it feels like an also ran and um mm-hmm. i mean i'm glad that like uh they're bringing back the old pokemons that didn't make the cut in these expansions and i'm actually like genuinely digging like the uh like the designs of these new pokemon and their gigantic forms that's why i really do want to give a shout out to those those cool things uh but at the same time i just uh i just need more of a reason i need a better reason to to buy this and you know i've i've uh i've made my uh I've made my uh, my demands heard. <laughs> I've listed my demands already, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds good. Let's move on. Okay, all right, here we go. So this is uh, oh my god. 
So this is regarding the <laughs> Sega the Sega situation. We talked about it on last week's show how it was like this this big scoop. Uh, yeah, this huge oh thing. Oh my god, it's gonna shake the games industry, man! I'm telling you. Okay, so we got two uh, we got two stories. It's Sega, and I thought this when this first this dropped first, and I thought this was the big scoop, but it wasn't. So uh, let's go ahead and start with this first one. Sega's Game Gear Micro is uh, four fifty dollar consoles with four games each, and yes, there is a magnifying glass. Uh, this is written by The Verge by Sam Byford, and so Sega has now revealed uh, full details of its just-announced Game Gear Micro Portable console, or I should say consoles. It turns out there are four color variants uh, that are different systems, uh, each with four different games preloaded, no doubt an attempt to drive collectors to buy them all. Here's what you, uh, you get on each. The black model comes with Sonic the Hedgehog, Poyo Poyo 2, Outrun, and Royal Stone. The blue variant includes Sonic Chaos, Gunstar Heroes, uh, Sylvan Tail. Uh, Baku Baku Animal. The yellow Game Gear has Shining Force uh, Gaiden Ensei, and well, actually, just let me just go ahead and put it this way: there's three Shining Force games, and there is uh, Nazopoyo Aroro Noru, uh, whatever that is. Uh, that's my understanding of the yellow one is that the yellow one is all the JRPGs, um, and the red <laughs> version is preloaded with uh, Revelations, The Demon Slayer, uh, Megami Tensei Gaiden, The Last Bi- Last Bible Special, uh, The GG Shinobi, and Columns. The hardware itself is 80 millimeters by 43 millimeters by 20 millimeters with a 1.15 inch display. Okay, fucking pick a lane. Is it, are you going by the metric system or the English system? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There is a single mono speaker with a headphone jack and it charges over USB, uh, but can also run off of two AAA batteries. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just like a surprise that there's a fucking headphone jack when my, my phone doesn't even have that anymore. Listen, I I am not a Sega person, so please keep that in mind. Like, I didn't grow up playing Sega consoles. I have no, like, old-school attachment to old-school Sega stuff, um, other than, like, playing some of the classic Sonic games. And to me, this is super dumb. (laughs) Because, like, these things just look so cheap, and they're so expensive. I don't understand why. Like, literally, if you wanted to get all four of them, it would cost you 200 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. So, like... $200 $200 so that you can play 16 Sega games in these four different like plastic like very cheap looking handheld devices so I don't know what they're thinking we're doing this to me Honestly, this seems this really dumb s- however this seems, uh, this seems like something you can lose easily yeah I know um, but I mean maybe there's an audience for it out there I don't know who that audience is um, maybe it's going to be popular in Japan or something but yeah I don't have much to say about this other than like I don't I don't really understand why people would buy it unless maybe they're just big, really big uh, fans of the Game Gear, you know. The article continues, and I didn't see this because I had to scroll down. Uh, You may be wondering how exactly you're meant to play games on a 1.15-inch display, uh, which makes the Game Boy Micro's 2-inch panel... The Game Boy Micro. (laughs) The Game Boy Micro's 2-inch panel sound huge by comparison. Well, if you're willing to drop uh, about $250, and that's, again, in Japanese money, uh, on a pack of all four consoles, Sega's including a mini version of its big window magnifying glass accessory. So basically, it's like one of those like little mounts that you can blow up the screen and it's bigger. I used to have one on my regular Game Boy. Um, so yeah, uh, this is a um, shipping on October 6th and it's exclusively in Japan so far. As of the time of recording, there is no word yet on a re- Western release. 
So uh, yeah, uh, I I was a uh, big not I wasn't a I wasn't a big Game Gear like player. Like I was a Game Boy person. I was a Game Boy kid. But my cousin uh, who I'd go to his house all the time, he would have a game a Game Gear, and I would always play the same Sonic game uh, on it. And I would try to beat the game, and I never did. It was so hard. Um, I ended up as an adult, just as a collector, I bought a Game Gear, and so it's still in my closet, and it's in working order. Uh, apparently, though, the Game Gear's screens deteriorate over time, and so uh, the display is not up to snuff at this current time. But um, as far as like the whole situation on the Game Gear, it is kind of feels like a cash grab, and it does kind of feel like this would be some fucking novelty that you throw on a keychain or something like that. It doesn't seem very practical. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm on the same boat. I there there's no reason why I would buy it. Maybe if it was like, I, see, I would like to say, well, if it was like a Game Boy thing, but if they did it this way, where it was like four different like tiny Game Boy things, each one with like four different games for fifty dollars each, I probably wouldn't buy that either. I would buy a proper like if they did a new like I don't know like a Game Boy Classic or something comes with like the thirty best Game Boy games or something along the, those lines, and is like just that one thing is like fifty dollars or something along those lines. Then I'll probably buy that, but the way that this was done, it's like, it kind of, to me, kind of reeks of a PlayStation Classic in a way, just as in, like, (laughs) it's trying to go for, like, the trendy nostalgia thing, but just not doing it right. Yeah, the Genesis Classic was so well-reviewed, and it was, and I don't know if it sold well, but I know it was well-received, and I just kind of feel like they should have just done a Game Gear Classic and just put the 30 best games and make it more of a actual usable size, you know, make it four times bigger than what you got or something. Like, I don't know, that's... That's whatever. All right, let's move on. The next thing, and this is the thing about Sega's big announcement. Uh, so it's Fog Gaming. So cloud gaming is dead. It's over. <laughs> the industry is moving on to Fog Gaming. So for a week or so, okay, uh, Forbes, this comes from Forbes. So for finally something else, um, this was written by uh, Paul Tassie, and it says, uh, new game gear, Fog Gaming reveal, what is Sega doing? Uh, so for a week or so, gamers have been speculating about the big Sega news uh, being teased in Famitsu for release tomorrow, and they have had some big ideas. The concepts range from a Microsoft partnering with Sega to rebrand the Xbox Series X in Japan. Uh, so that was, I love that rumor, by the way, the the Sega Siri, uh, Series X. Hmm. <laughs> sexy all right that would have been dope <laughs> yeah so okay there was that one and then the, to google buying sega outright and snapping up their properties for stadia content oh i hated that that's terrible no 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 um including my own predictions about like the dreamcast 2 or the dreamcast mini uh what was my third Dude, prediction? they should have they should have released a sega series x and abbreviated it as ssx <laughs> and then released it with a new SSX, SSX game. game. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I made my own, like, three predictions, and none of them which came true, and I was, like, I was super bummed. Which, that was my prediction, that, <laughs> that none of them would be no, true. Yeah, your prediction was none of them would be true, and it was going to be boring, and you were going to be underwhelmed, and then, like, your prediction came true. I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay. So, apparently, what Sega is going to announce is Fog Gaming, uh, which is a system which is vaguely similar to cloud gaming and yet has a local twist. Um, So this is a tweet. Um, Article now with info. Yes, Fog Gaming is the scoop. Uh, Sega will use arcades in Japan as the technical backbone. CPUs and GPUs housed in arcade machines are mentioned specifically. Ultra low latency is touted. Commercial ideas to use arcade outside business hours. So like, you know, it's midnight and arcade is closed where you can still play the arcade uh, through the cloud, ga- uh, through the fog gaming, excuse me, I already misspoke. Uh, so the concept from what I understand is that Sega is going to use local arcades and game centers in Japan as essentially server farms in order to create a low lat- latency gaming 
streaming service. Rather than uh, streaming them from the cloud, the idea is to stream the CPUs uh, from CPUs and GPUs on local arcade machines helping performance. And on the arcade side, this means store owners could earn money, earn money from their uh, machines even when the place is cl uh, isn't even open, especially in this coronavirus times. Um, it's an interesting idea, though, if you're expecting uh, some sort of cross-brand blockbuster announcement uh, that is definitely not at all. And to me, this does strike me. Okay, this guy's got his opinions on his article. Let's stop here. Okay, so, um, yeah, I was underwhelmed by the Fog Gaming. Um, it's supposed to be the shakeup to the games industry as we know it, but it just... I mean, yeah. let's call it what it is. This is just really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, I know, I know I have a, like, I'm, I'm kind of full of the, the hot takes today or something, but like, I mean, it, it's not a bad idea. It seems interesting, right? So Sega, for people that don't know, they do have a really strong arcade presence in Japan. I've seen it. I, I traveled to Tokyo in 2015. I was there for about a week with my family and then went to Kyoto for about a week as well. And in Akihabara, which is kind of like the nerd town in summary, it's like where all the anime gaming stuff is. There are these huge like arcade stores ran by Sega. They have many floors of arcade cabinets left and right. So it's interesting that they were thinking about like it's not something that I would have ever thought about, but the idea that they were like, oh, like all these arcades are just sitting there, probably especially now with the coronavirus situation. How can we harness that power for something? And then somebody went cloud gaming and then renamed it fog gaming for whatever reason. <laughs> they haven't explained, it seems, the difference between fog and cloud here unless we maybe have to read further into it to see it. So like, but, uh, so cloud gaming is like a, a bunch of servers, like there's no, like you're just a server farm. And then fog gaming is your, from my understanding, is like the actual arcade is still like in, it's still collecting those tokens, but remotely. But, but here's the thing, Lewis, is that cloud gaming is not literally in the cloud as we know at the end of the day cloud gaming is happening in just a bunch of computers somewhere you know like at the end of the day like a bunch of arcade machines in a arcade store are just a bunch of computers with like arcade wood around them and and arcade controls right but at the end of the day it's just a bunch of computers how different why would they need to name that something different than uh cloud like server which is effectively just a bunch of computers as well just that are not i guess the only difference is that they're computers that are not being used other than being used as the servers versus on the other side you got computers that are actually being used as clients with monitors and input and things along those lines so yeah there is a difference in that sense um well, it's I mean, just really it's, weird it's um, I mean, if you think about it i mean like you're we remote into our computers and stuff these days you know if you're, if yeah. you're working from home so i don't necessarily consider like a computer in an office to be considered a uh um, like a server, you know, I don't know. That's just, yeah. I, I, it's, it's like, like, I know it's like cutting, like what's, there's a word for that, like a phrase or something like that. Semantics. Yeah. It's like semantics, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I um, don't really know what else to say about the story other than it's very Japanese. And, uh, <laughs> um, if this is a business venture that pays dividends for Sega, then by all means, cool. Uh, this may not, yeah, for sure. I mean, Famitsu is a uh, Japanese publication, so maybe this wasn't meant for an American or Western audience. So Yeah. I'm just curious at like the quality of like the computers that are running in these arcades because I mean typically computers in arcade machines are not like all that powerful um and especially when compared to actual like Google servers or you know AWS and things along those lines so I wonder how they're going to be able to get those to work with the low latency but that's that's up to them to figure out 
Okay. All right. All right. This is the last story here, and this is like the story that I really wanted to uh, talk about here because I almost I almost cut it on my own <laughs> when I was making the doc. All right. So thank you, Dan, for agreeing with me on this one. Uh, yeah, no worries. All right. So servers for the PlayStation Vita's Killzone Mercenary shut down without warning. This was written by Digital Trends by Aaron um, Mammoltz. And so uh, the servers for the PlayStation Vita's Killzone Mercenary were shut down without warning, uh, taking offline a, a relatively vibrant player base for a seven-year-old game. Killzone Mercenary, widely considered one of the best PlayStation Vita's games, uh, was released in 2013 exclu- exclusively for the port- portable console. The shooter offers bite-sized missions perfect for on-the-go gaming, but it also offers online multiplayer modes uh, that made it one of the best entries on the PlayStation Vita. Uh, unfortunately, it appears that Killzone Mercenary servers have been suddenly shut down, eliminating the game's online multiplayer capabilities. A thread on the PlayStation Vita subreddit revealed players found difficulty in accessing servers, while in a separate thread confirmed the server shut down. A Redditor who goes by the name of you uh, slash Mr. McGellan claimed that a Sony support representative said that the servers have been taken offline. Uh, shutting down the servers of a 2013 title is not unheard of, but the remaining players of Killzone Mercenary are in an uproar because there was no prior announcement. In comparison, Sony gave players of 2014's Drive Club for the PlayStation 4 a full year notice before closing the racing game servers and eliminating all its online features. Uh, Killzone uh, Mercenary players are now attempting to get the game's servers back online, claiming that the site enclosure may be a breach of the terms of service. It remains unclear, however, uh, if there are an if there's an if there will be enough clamor to revive the servers of a seven-year-old game on a discontinued console. That's some shade right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, uh, So long live the PlayStation Vita. The PlayStation Vita, which launched in the U.S. in early 2012, officially ended production in 2019 after seven years of struggling to reach the same success as its predecessor, the PlayStation Portable. The console, however, released gems such as Persona 4 Golden, Gravity Rush, and Uncharted Golden Abyss. Fans of the PlayStation Vita, uh, hoping for another attempt by Sony at the handheld gaming market, should not hold their breath as Sony Interactive Entertainment President and CEO Jim Ryan said that there are no plans for a successor to the portable console. The PlayStation Vita community, uh, uh, meanwhile, is still very much alive despite the dominance of Nintendo Switch in the portable console scene. That one I'm surprised about. Um, The PlayStation Vita community, like all three of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dude, I mean, listen, I think I have a Vita. I got it, I think, back in 2014-ish. I think it's a... Great console. Uh, I think there was actually a lot of good stuff on it. The thing that I don't hear people talk enough about the Vita is that it was a great indie machine. Like, there were so many great, like, Steam indie games that came out on the Vita. And playing them on the portable in the... On bed... At the bed... Yeah. Play, playing them in bed on a portable system as opposed to playing them on a computer in a desk, like, it was great. And playing them on trips and airplanes and things like that. I played Super Meat Boy on my Vita. I played, uh, I think it's Super Time Force on my Vita. I played Thomas Was Alone in my Vita. Um, I played Velocity Ultra, Velocity 2X. Like, I played so many great, like, small slash indie games on my Vita, and I had a really good time with it. And granted, I have not picked it up in probably many years, um... I mean, after the Switch came out, it even feels weird to, you know, go and play something on the Vita. I'd, I'd rather spend my time with games on the Switch instead most of the time. But, you know, shout out to the Vita. I do think it's a cool machine and it got lots of good stuff there, despite it being a failure in terms of sales. Kind of similar to how we when we talk about the Wii U as well. Um, but, I mean, I find it crazy that one, there, was a, there were people playing this game in 2020 <laughs> online. And I also find it crazy at the same time that they would just kind of 
shut it down quietly like that. That's kind of shitty, especially if they could see that there were still people playing it. Yeah, they can see their analytics. Um, yeah. So I'm 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 very I'm there with you. Like the 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 Nintendo Switch has taken the uh, the Vita's like niche as far as being an indie mm-hmm. an indie machine that you can just play in bed, you know, instead of on the couch kind of thing. So uh, I'm there with you on that, and I, I'll even I'll even uh, second the motion in the sense that for like the last two years. Um, or maybe like how, how for the last two years that PlayStation Plus was offering free Vita games, I was only turning on my Vita to redeem the Vita games. Like I wasn't even actually mm-hmm. playing them. But I, I'm just a digital hoarder like that. Um, but that being said, though, it does kind of seem very weird and just off that they would just do that. It doesn't seem very PlayStation-y. Like it kind of they kind of tart like tout like the whole like uh, their messaging about what is it is is power to the players a Microsoft thing or a PlayStation thing? I don't know, but. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember at this point. But anyways, it kind of feels playing like, with power. Yeah. I think is the PlayStation. Yeah, one. yeah. So like, it just kind of seems like there was they they should have done better. Uh, they should have done right by their their loyal supporters. And um, and I I've played that game online before, by the way, and it's actually really uh, it was really good. And people actually liked mm-hmm. um, even at the time, even then, like they people liked the online. And um, it kind of makes me uh, uh, wonder if. Uh, they're just going to shut the servers down and I won't even be able to access the PlayStation store maybe by this time next year on the Vita. Like that would be kind of sucks. I mean, hopefully you're going to, you're probably going to hear about that with more time in advance before it happens. But yeah, it's kind of shitty that they did that. Obviously you always want companies to be very transparent with this kind of stuff. And um, this is the kind of stuff that is inevitable. It's going to happen with every online game eventually, but unless they just keep being played in significant numbers forever but it's always shitty when it happens and i do wish that we'd found some alternative to dealing with these kinds of things um maybe there's an interesting company idea here to like create like a server company or something that basically does nothing but rent servers at really cheap cost to run these old games for you know game preservation or something along those lines maybe some kind of like a non-profit i don't even know if that would be possible but i might be talking a little bit out of my ass here but it's just sad it's sad when these things happen like it's sad that you can't like I, I turned on my Wii recently, uh, like to play Super Mario Galaxy, and then I went into the store and and then realizing that I could still download games that I'd purchased, but I could not purchase anything anymore, right? They shut down that store about a year ago. And there are games that might have been lost forever there where like nobody can ever buy them and download them again, uh, because they had only come out on the Wii, you know? Yeah. Um like on WiiWare specifically. Um, the same thing or, with the virtual console. There were a lot of Wii virtual console games that were exclusive to the Wii yeah, and never released to exactly. the 3DS or the Wii U. And they, at least Nintendo gave like a, at least a six month, I want to say, announcement where they're like, it might have been six months or a year, but they gave an announcement where it's like, they did it in two phases where like, uh, after this day, mm-hmm. you cannot load any more Nintendo points. And then after yeah. that, after like six months of that day, you cannot uh, re-download any of those games. So you need to make sure that they're mm-hmm. downloaded locally to your Wii before the cutoff happens. And I'm glad that they at least did that. And uh, it was an event that was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was streamed or something. Uh, but um, yeah, like game preservation. One of the things that I really that really irks me about the game preservation side of things is that people were supposed to be touting that digital is the solution to game preservation. But it kind of seems like the opposite. But yeah, yeah. definitely. All right, so let's go ahead and close it out with the extra news. I know we're running long on time, but it is what it is. Uh, extra news, Kings of Kingdoms of Album Lore uh, Re-Reckoning has seemingly leaked on the Microsoft Store and will apparently make its way to at least the Xbox One on August 11, 2020. So that was, uh, an article, uh, that was the headline that we wrote at the time, but just in addition to the, uh, to the headline is um, 
the uh, the game was like leaked on the store, but then it was taken down. But then the tw- uh, the official Kingdom of- Kingdoms of Amalur Twitter account uh, made it official because you. you- your, your, your hand was kind of like shown. Um, so Rockstar has announced that it will be shutting down GTA Online and Red Dead Online uh, today for two hours to, quote, honor the legacy of George Floyd. Uh, developer, uh, the creative assembly's Total War spinoff, a Total War saga, Troy, will be uh, free to download and keep it and keep when it launches as an Epic Game Store exclusive on August 13th. Footage of a canceled Avengers game um, has emerged in the wild, hosted on YouTube. Um, on the YouTube channel, uh, gaming historian Andrew uh, Borman, the game was originally scheduled to release alongside the first Avengers film uh, back in 2012, but Marvel canceled the contract with the embattled publisher THQ, leading to its cancellation. And that was a mouthful. Uh, anything to say on these uh, on these stories? Uh, not much. Just a quick update on the Kingdoms and Amalur story. Uh, it's been confirmed that the remaster is real, like you said, and will be released on Xbox One, PS4, and PC on August 18, uh, 2020. So not August 11, as we uh, originally, mm-hmm. as as was the original uh, headline. But yeah, I never played that game. I remember at, I was in college at the time. I actually had, because I went to a gaming college, we, we had a presentation where some of the people behind that game came in and presented it at the college um, when Shortly after it had been announced, I think, and there was actually quite a bit of a certain amount of cult hype, I want to say, uh, behind that game. And then it came out and I don't think it had really good reception as far as sales. But I know a lot of people love it and a lot of people are excited to see it come back. So maybe I'll give it a chance uh, when it hits the PS4 later this year. So I have uh, I think I own Kingdoms of Amalur because it might have been a PS Plus game. I think I have it on the PS3. Mm. I think I have it on the PS3, but I can't be too sure. Um, but I feel like I've seen that title. <laughs> um, as far as the uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the canceled Avengers game. I have actually been a subscriber to a YouTube channel called Did You Know Gaming, and they um, are partnered with another like little subdivision. Uh, uh, damn, I can't remember their name right now. Um, but basically, they are like from a that little subdivision does like uh, game preservations, and they they show footage of canceled games all the time. And they did show f- uh, footage of uh, the Avengers canceled game at the t- like years ago, and I've seen it. And they talked about a breakdown of like the development and you know what their ambitions were for the plan and some you know early builds and early concept arts and stuff like that. And then they also showed like they talked about like the how like the business side crumbled and how it didn't. How I ended up getting canceled uh, altogether uh, when things were just getting shuffled around with THQ as a publisher kind of like dying and then, you know, rising from the dead, become THQ Nordic all those years later. But um, it's a, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting read. And uh, I kind of wish that we got that game because it looks pretty dope. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in that, look into it. It's always fascinating to see things like that, like these uh, remnants of uh, games that could have been. OK, uh, so, Dan, it's your turn to take over the show. All right. What are you buying? So we're going to start here with our new releases and updates. Uh, we're going to be covering June 5th when this podcast posts until the next Thursday, June 11th. We're going to have on June 5th Club Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics coming out on the Switch. I'm actually going to read just a little bit about this one because I actually think it might be the pick of the week and it's quite an interesting new game. Mm-hmm. Play and discover 51 board games, tabletop games, and more in an all-in-one package. Clubhouse Games TM 51 Worldwide Classics. This diverse collection includes games from all over the world across multiple genres from familiar favorites like chess to international hits like mancala that have been around for hundreds of years 
Enjoy familiar favorites and learn hidden gems from around the world in this collection of 51 board games, tabletop games, and more. Whether you like to sit and strategize or rely on reflexes, Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics contains games from across an array of genres for you to play and discover. Each game is presented with stunning detail as dice clack, marbles glimmer, and chess pieces tumble off the board when it's jostled. So there's some more information here, but I think they've showed this game at one of the Nintendo Directs or one of the Nindy Directs or something like that. And it looks really cool, actually. Like, it's very polished. Um, I mean, it's it's a mini, mini game collection, and those are not the typical kinds of games that I that I go for. But if I were to buy one, this is probably the one that I would buy because it just looks very well made. Um, so I'll be curious to see what kinds of reviews this game is going to be getting once it comes out. The promise of the Wii U has finally been fulfilled. Um, oh yeah for sure i don't know if you know what i'm talking about but there was the wii u demo i do oh you do oh yeah Dude, yeah. <laughs> that video like so i remember that initial video of the wii u and like so many people like kind of criticized that video then and then also like after the wii u came out and wasn't doing so well they would look back in that video and like criticize the presentation of the wii u but i thought that video was great like i was hype the problem with that video is that it focused too much on the controller without showing the console so people got confused but like they showed a lot of like little neat cool features in that video that at the time i was very excited about um unfortunately we didn't really get to see a lot of the things that they showed ever be fulfilled or some of them were fulfilled too late you know yeah um, yeah like they they most of i think i think if you like look about it look back at it now i my understanding is like just me trying to remember i think everything was fulfilled like uh the golf like having the wii u gamepad on the on the ground and it's you can see the golf ball and the obviously mario uh mario you you know that like i as far as mm-hmm. i understand like every little tech demo that they showed every gimmick was was fulfilled except for um that black and white uh game it's uh i i don't know the actual name what they call it in the 50 uh, 51 uh, worldwide classics but i refer to it as othello um, and th- there was a game, they were playing Othello and, um, oh, yes. and they, uh, they like this one person, like kind of had like a game winning move and flipped the tiles all over to their color. And then the other player yeah. got mad and just lifted up the Wii U gamepad. Not again. And then like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That part. That's, that's yeah. what I was talking about. It's like, they just knock over all the pieces over the board and stuff. And so apparently, I remember that. apparently you can in fact play the switch on tabletop mode and have it laying flat and you can just knock all the pieces over. By just picking up that's the, pretty cool. picking up the switch. So um, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Like the the Wii U's uh, promise has now finally been fulfilled. <laughs> finally complete. Yes. All right. In other releases here, we got Endurance coming out on iOS and Android on June 5th. The Outer Worlds is coming out on the Switch on June 5th as well. Um, and then on June 9th next week, the Dark Eye Book of Heroes is coming out on PC. The Elder Scrolls Online Greymore expansion is coming out on PS4 and Xbox One. I believe this came out on PC already. And Ease Memories of Celsetta is coming out on PS4. And then on June 11th, which I believe is next Thursday, Beyond Blue is coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So is Clubhouse Games, is that developed by Nintendo? Yes, it I'm is. I'm not sure. It is. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, maybe they maybe that's a game that they were actually developing for the Wii U, and maybe that's why they showed that in that demo, but maybe they just didn't finish it in time because it actually looks like, I mean, this is 51 seemingly very polished and well done uh, board games within a collection so this is probably a lot of work yeah they did a lot of uh, i've seen the reviews i've seen the gameplay footage they did a lot of work on the presentation there's a 50 second hidden game and they don't really call it a game because it's just a piano it just you just uh, <laughs> look at the piano keys and then boom that's it that's all, all it is and also um you can also count like multiple variations of the same game uh so there's more than like 52 because you can ca- count certain games as like like two or three games in one kind of thing 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. I am very big on uh, these type of games. Um, I love uh, tabletop board games, and I have game nights all the time with my friends. Um, this is going to be a day one buy for me, and I'm I'm probably going to have to like break quarantine and play this with someone, and maybe I'll have a review for next week. So, yeah. <laughs> as long as you put on masks and keep gloves <laughs> on, then you can probably do that. All right, let's get into our sales. Got a selection of good things on sale, straight. So to start, Epic Game Store continuing to kick ass with their free games. This time they got overcooked for free until June 11th, next Thursday. So make sure to go and grab that. Both me and Lewis like that game quite a bit. He's played it a lot more than I have, but it's I I uh, I vouch for it as well. It's a great game. Uh, the Epic Mega Sale continues. Uh, we've talked about it a lot in the previous weeks. Lots of great deals there, including Outer Worlds, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, The Division 2, Control, etc. Um, we're just highlighting it again because I think this is the last week uh, that the sale is going to be running for. We got a very cool a Nintendo 2DS XL Mario Kart 7 bundle for only 100 bucks, available at Walmart. We got a link here from the official Nintendo website, but they linked to Walmart to purchase it. This is an amazing deal. Like I, I always like like to highlight, and I've shared it before, when I see deals with uh, the 2DS, even, even like the original 2DS, and then now this is the new 2DS, the one that actually looks more like a DS, um, where you can actually like close it and stuff. Uh, because... You know, the 2DS, I feel like, does not get enough love because it's kind of this weird bastard sibling <laughs> of the 3DS. It's the redheaded, however, redheaded stepchild, yes. Yeah, I know. Like, However, this console, nowadays, you can usually get it for under $100 with a game, and it can play any DS game and any 3DS game, which means it has a library of, like, like I don't know, like over fifteen, I think over fifteen years or around fifteen years worth of titles, including some amazing ones, right? Like the 3DS, amazing games. The the like I don't know, like Mario Kart Seven, Fire Emblem Awakening, Super Mario 3D Land, Bravely Default. There was just so much good stuff in that console, and then the DS also had a lot of good stuff, like all the Phoenix Wright games, all the like um like mario 64 is available on the ds also both of these consoles have so much like virtual console stuff as well so it's just a steal like honestly if you don't have any ds console i know it's kind of weird for you to get one right now because the switch is out there but you know what the switch is 300 bucks and if you don't want to spend that much or if you already have a switch and you have 100 bucks or less as the well disposable income this is definitely a console that if you have in your collection i definitely vouch for it you can play so many great games on it Damn, um, you convinced me because I was actually debating whether or not to buy this bundle because, like, I bought last year's deal with the PS uh, PlayStation Plus for, like, $33, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to be buying another deal for two weeks in a row. <laughs> um, Dude, uh, listen, I'm probably I'm not I'm not saying I'm going to buy this because I'm pretty happy with the DS that I have. I'm saying just, like, if you don't have one, just keep in mind it's a great fucking deal and you can play a lot of amazing games on it. Dude, I, I, have, um, I have three members of the 3DS family, and that's why I'm, like, <laughs> I might as well just throw that in the collection i don't know keep it in the box yeah sure thing <laughs> sure thing uh let's see we got a few other cool nintendo deals here uh free memory card with purchase of select nintendo switch digital games uh so oh this is very interesting when you purchase two select nintendo switch digital games you can get a free 128 gig memory card and it's from best buy you can choose from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Splatoon 2, Super Mario Party, Arms, Fire Emblem 3 Houses, Mario Tennis Aces, Yoshi's Crafted World, a bunch of others, so you can go look into that. There's also uh, some sales for the Resident Evil franchise. You can get RE4 for 15 bucks, RE5 for 15 bucks, RE6 for 15 bucks. Uh, all of those are on the Switch. 
as well. And they got a, a few other sales as well. Lots going on there. I wanted to highlight the Fire Emblem Three Houses. It's currently $15 off at Best Buy, so you can get it for $45. That game is one of my favorite Switch games. It was one of my favorite games from last year, even though I only played it this year. It is really good. And let's see. There is a Far Cry sale on the Xbox Game Store. Um, you can get Far Cry 5 for just $15. Far Cry 4 for $6.59. Far Cry 3 for a little under 10 bucks, new down for 16. They got a few other games as well. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is 45. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint is 20 bucks. So definitely go check that out. As usual, lots of deals going on. Um, let's see oh, so here, are you, a bunch of- are you, just, uh, you just covered the, the days of play sale just now, right? Yes. Okay, so uh, hi, I don't know if you said it, I don't think I heard you, but uh, Resident Evil 3 recently came out and now it's down to 40 bucks. So damn, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Resident Evil Three is a pretty, uh, I don't, it's a pretty good deal in the sense that it's just, it's a very it's fairly new game, and mm -hmm. uh, people love the RE remakes. So there you go, get it for forty bucks. And for sure. And the deal of the week on the PSN this week is Ark Survival Evolved. So I've never played that game. I don't know too much about it, but it has dinosaurs, and I know some people are into it. So definitely go check that out if you're interested. It's just ten bucks. Um, the base game, and then they also have deals on all the season passes and expansions and etc. And last but not least, we got the Twitch, Twitch Prime, um, like sales and free games as well. Louis, do you think you can cover this one? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, so Twitch Prime is a uh, situation where if you have Amazon Prime, uh, since uh, Amazon owns Twitch, they just integrated their products together. And you can uh, basically download a games launcher through Twitch. Um, and in doing so, every month, uh, Twitch gives away free games uh, for at the beginning and until the end of every month. They just, here you go, just download your games, um, and you can find them on your Twitch launcher. Um, the uh, the games that they're actually going is, they're actually going a little bit ham uh, on the games because they usually put out anywhere between like four to six games. But uh, for right now, they're not only did they put out those usual four to six games, they also partnered with SNK, and they are giving away free games for the rest of the calendar year. You can just redeem it at any time, uh, you know, between now and the end of uh, and Dece end of December. So I wanted to just to spotlight the the SNK fighter games. So there's the King of Fighters 2002. There's Samurai Showdown 2. Um, there's Art of Fighting 2, and there's Fatal Fury Special, and the King of Fighters 2000. You can redeem all of them and just claim them, and you can play them uh, on PC on the Twitch launcher. So uh, there are other free games, by the way, on there. Um, I see Max, The Curse of Brotherhood is free for the month. And um, uh, there's something called Observer. I've seen that before. I've seen that logo with that little uh, carrot sign there. Uh, <laughs> I, I know it looks familiar. I can't know where. I don't know where I've seen it. But uh, you can claim those free games as well uh, for the month of June. So just um, and also there's other games, by the way. But just those are the ones I'm spotlighting here. All right. It's time for topic of the show. All right. And we're just an hour and a half in. And usually we end the <laughs> podcast right around now. Um, yeah, I know. So I'm not going to lie to you. I have I've come a little unprepared. Um, it was and we've I've had like two weeks lead out to do this, but I didn't do it. Um, it was going to be our first. Tell us what the topic of the show uh, is. Yeah, I was literally about to do that. Uh, it's our predictions. Yeah, it's our <laughs> predictions uh, episode where we were get, we played a little game where we were like, hey, what's uh, we're going to predict E3? You know, what's going to come true? And this is basically summer gaming is literally about to kick off, and we were about to have our like blowout of like announcements and stuff. And so we wanted to play a little game of predictions and just kind of like you know keep score and see who got it right. 
Um, so I, I, I like to play this game, and I like to go really hard on this game, and I make some pretty ballsy predictions, but this time I just made three of the most basic predictions that you can possibly think of, and I know I told you to come with five, so... Uh, you just have three? Yeah. I got seven, man. Jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> so between me and you, we got ten. <laughs> Honestly, I tried I tried to think of something, but I just, like, no, I was blanking, man. Like, I... I wanted. That's fine. I want. It was I, a rough week. Not only was it a rough week, but like I, I don't, I don't know what to expect. Like I don't have a barometer. I don't have like right. this. I don't have like this yardstick of what I can look at, like E3s from past and present. You know that kind of thing right. to like to help me gauge where I, what I, where my expectations should be. Um, I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of my predictions are kind of safe. So basically, some of my predictions are like predicting the things that already leaked or are rumored are actually going to get announced. I don't know if that's kind of what we, you were leaning with as well. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to let you start and then we're going to go back and forth. And then I'm going to choose carefully the ones that I decide to say here. And only only the three will count. Right. So like I'll pick my top three or something along those lines. No, no, you, you might as well say anything you can. I'm Honestly, if I can think of a prediction while, while talking, then I will pull it. I will pull it out of my ass and I will I'll say it. Uh, all right. But sounds was, good. All right, Do you want to start? I'll start. I'll start right. us off here. So um, the PlayStation uh, conference, whatever you want to call it, it's going to uh, it's going to end with the Horizon sequel announcement. And <laughs> that was my first one. All right, so now I'm down to six. Already. All right, all right, Great. cool. All right, now here's the, here's my here's uh, I'm gonna go a little further than that though. Um, all right, it's gonna uh, the horizon, and it's gonna the it's gonna be horizon colon and the num like the O N E like one will be a part of that like one world or something <laughs> like that or one dawn or, or or one sunset or something like one something like we go from horizon okay. zero dawn to horizon one whatever. Uh, that's okay. that's my that's my naming se- uh, scheme on this one. That's interesting, and it will also come out cross-platform with the Xbox One, <laughs> <laughs> PS5, and Xbox One. No, the way I'm I'm just going to tell you the way I worded it, which I worded it as during the PS5 review event, we'll get our first look at the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. It will be called Horizon with a different subtitle, but I didn't put any more detail on it, mm. and will be released less than 12 months after it's announced exclusively on PS5. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So, so yeah, I, so I, mean, I was kind of on the on the assumption that you're if you're gonna put Z, if you're gonna start your franchise with zero, you got to start counting up. So like the sequel is gonna be one, and the sequel to that is gonna be two. So that's my that's yeah, my naming it's scheme. interesting. I think it makes sense, but I don't necessarily think they're gonna do that. I think it might very well be something totally different, like some just subtitle, right? Um, with no number on like, it, no number in there. Like Horizon Golden Abyss or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no number. Oh fuck. Um, that's that's that, that would be my guess. But we'll see. Um cool. Let me let me uh let me kick it off with the with my other one then here. Uh between now and the end of summer. Th- this is a safe one. I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah, whatever. Between now and the end of summer, we're gonna get an official announcement of a remaster of Super Mario Galaxy one plus two coming to the Switch in a sixty dollar retail package. The game will be more or less the same, but feature multiple controller options, such as like you can use the original configuration with dual Joy-Cons, or you can use a new control scheme that does not require motion controls. So I, I think it's fairly... I don't know about how I feel like, about that one, because like I feel like you could have been mm-hmm. a little bit more ambitious with it and say 64 and Sunshine are going to be included in there, but you're just going Switch. No, because just that's galaxies. not going to happen. <laughs> you're saying just Galaxy. That's disappointing to me, personally. I'm a, I'm a bit offended. <laughs> well, the thing here's the thing, Louis, is that I do think they might do the other ones too, but I don't think it's going to be an all-inclusive package as we've covered in the show before. I think that would be too good to be true. <laughs> but I do think... E- listen, either they're each going to be 60 bucks 
or they're each going to be sold like separately with their own like full price cost. Maybe not necessarily 60, but maybe 40 or something along those lines. Or if they're going to group any of these games together, I think they're going to group the galaxies and that's it. So that's the point of my prediction. I also felt like just predicting Super Mario Galaxy will be will come to the Switch would be too safe because at this point, I think that's very likely that it will happen eventually. So I want to say I put more specifics there just to kind of spice it up a little bit. One plus two, one package, multiple control options. I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm keeping it there. Okay, I I like your multiple control options, but I'm you're you're killing me, Smalls. Like I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying you're you're hurt you're hurting me right now. <laughs> I'm <right>. sorry, Lewis. <laughs> All right, here we go. My my prediction. Um, we're gonna get a knack uh game. Oh no, at launch <laughs> not knack a night a knack like game, and it's gonna oh. be it's gonna be uh at launch. We're gonna get Ratchet and Clank, the sequel to the reboot. Okay, wait. Is this one prediction or two? <laughs> no, that's it. That's that. Then the you know how like you're gonna you need to have a kid friendly game at launch. You know, like uh-huh. we had like PlayStation Four had Knack. So what's gonna fill that role? Oh, I see what you mean. What's gonna fill that role is gonna be the Ratchet and Clank sequel. Okay, I can see that. I actually think that makes a lot of sense. I'm surprised that nobody's talking about that because didn't that game come out? In that last game came out in like I think 2016. I want to say yeah. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was 2016. No, I think that's really good, actually. I think that's a very smartly put. All right, my next one. So I guess this is my second one now because I lost my first one, which was Horizon. Yes. Um, During Microsoft's first party presentation, we'll get to see a glimpse of the new title being developed by The Initiative, which is their new studio in Santa Monica. It will be a new IP available only on PC and the Xbox family of systems, though it will be cross-platform across the different Xboxes. And it will not come out for at least a few years. We will not see gameplay. Oh my god, you are so mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not it's this is not a like what I hope for game. It's like trying to get, you know, the predictions right. So I'm like, I'm going consistent with what Microsoft is doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they're gonna call they're gonna do a cinematic and call it gameplay. <laughs> oh, yeah, they might they shots, might actually do. But shots. I would still be I would still be right because my wording was we won't see gameplay also the initiative i believe was started like maybe a little over a year ago um so i don't think they're gonna have much done other than like concept art and maybe some cinematics and they'll be like mid pre-production but i think microsoft really gets wants to get ahead of the game to be like hey we're gonna get like this generation would be the generation of great first party xbox games i think they're gonna want to show us everything they got cooking even if they're in like an early stage so I think we're going to get to see what they're working on, but it's not going to be anything substantial. It's going to be like, it could even be like a little studio tour. Like we see people like drawing on like their, you know, whatever. <laughs> like the EA uh, for Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, 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 I know. Right. Like I, I, I'm an employee for EA, so I won't talk much about that. But, you know, like like things like EA used to do in the past. I mean, even before I worked for them. So, yeah, something similar to that. Okay, cool. Um, safest prediction possible uh, during the PlayStation presentation. PlayStation 5 will announce or will show off the hardware and how it looks like, but they will not reveal the price. Oh, interesting. Damn. I don't, I think they will. I I think they will because it comes across like they want to have a big blowout with this event, right? Like there was like rumors going around that it was going to be like a two hour event. Um, I think, well, let's see. Let's see. I'll I'll put it to you this way. I don't think they want to put the price out there. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll put this caveat here. They will put the price out there if it's four hundred dollars, but they will not uh-huh. put the price out if it's five hundred. I mean, here's why: 
you're trying this is going to be your big blowout this is your like this is essentially like your first look at playstation 5 essentially um Mm -hmm. and i think they want to make a good strong first impression and you know what kills you know what kills hype the price yeah that's fair that's fair all right my my next few are uh i'll pretty much all playstation related as well Uh, those are the things that i was more easily coming up with uh so my next one is after the re after the release of the last of us part two but sometime during the summer we'll get our first look at the multiplayer slash online only standalone game set on the world of the last of us which will be released exclusively on ps5 during the console's first year on the market i do want to change something on this prediction though since i wrote it which is i said after the release of the last of us part two i do think they would probably want to include this in their blowout so if that happens i'm not sure now if that's going to happen before or after right because it was going to be june 4th but they delayed it if they delay it like the last of us 2 is only two weeks away now so they could have potentially delayed it for after that i don't know so if it happens before that they're probably just going to include it there uh but yeah i think that there is a standalone multiplayer only game that's a tie-in to the last of us that's going to be a ps5 exclusive and we're going to be seeing it soon okay cool all right, let me try. That's to... my more one of the more risky All ones right. that I actually predicted earlier in the year. I think I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a prediction myself here on the fly, but I can't. So go again. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Uh, let's let's go through my other uh, PlayStation ones here. So, uh, Media Molecules Dreams will be featured as one of the PS4 titles that will be available on PS5 day one, with PS5 exclusive features that make use of the console's new hardware gimmicks. So. Let me just give some extra thoughts on this. So Media Molecule seems to be big on the console, like hardware features and gimmicks uh, in the past. Like they worked on Tearaway, which used a lot of the, you know, like the the Vita unusual features, like the the back, uh, like the camera and the back touchpad and things like that. If you look at like the Little Big Planet games, a lot of them also like kind of did weird things with the, like had you do like motion controls with a play even the ps3 controller and things along those lines um if i remember correctly so i think they're within that line especially because dreams is a game that i think would lend itself well to that i think they're gonna have some kind of showcase um off the ps5 new features like the haptic feedback and things like that in dreams um and also i feel like they've you know, they've invested so much in this game. It was in development for the whole PS4 generation and before. Um, as as some may remember, we saw Dreams for the first time in the PS4 event, in the PS4 review. Um, so I think they would want to get some extra juice out of this game now that they now that it's done. Uh, and I think it would make sense that we're going to see it in some form in the PS5 event. My prediction is what I already said. Like, it's going to have some new PS5 features. Um, can, obviously upscaling and all that i can Keep sort going. of see that because like one of the things that i noticed is that like there was like a fan-made sonic game in dreams and mm. uh the game was so ambitious and stuff that the game had a trouble had a hard time like rendering it and it would like drop frames and it would stutter um yeah so like it was like pushing the engine to its its limits and i would imagine that like a playstation 5 with its better hardware it might be able to handle that and not chug along so i would hope that maybe if they're gonna do like a re-reveal of dreams in your prediction that they would just show these games running in like full like 100 percent awesomeness and they like reinvigorate it that would be cool i agree so do you have another thing um the only thing i could think of is that uh it's a non-prediction uh the playstation vr2 will not be talked about or shown Mm, interesting I think, I think you're probably right about that. I think that the PlayStation VR um, is too much hardware uh, for, for, for day one. So they may want to like have it launch like holiday 2021 at the earliest. 
So that way, yeah, you know, get, get consumers to buy like the PlayStation 5 first and then worry about the VR sequel later. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I think that makes sense. Um, my final one, like I have a final PlayStation one, which is kind of lame. So I'm just going to say it fast, which is that we're going to get a trailer for a new Gran Turismo game, um, which will be coming to the PS5 and it will be like a live service Gran Turismo game. They're, I think their last one was already kind of like that uh, GT Sport um i used to play the gran turismo games back in the ps2 days and i think i played five on ps3 a little bit but after that i i haven't played any of the games so i don't even know exactly where the franchise is i know that the last one came out in like 2017 so i think it's it would be a good like the like racing games are always great show pieces for new consoles right um microsoft always uses forza to showcase the graphical power of their consoles uh so i think maybe sony will get into that bandwagon again with a new gran turismo game on the ps5 review uh and i also have a microsoft one which is that double fine tim schaefer studio that's under microsoft now will be announcing a new game before the end of summer it will be exclusive to pc and xbox platforms and it will either be a sequel to one of the classic Double Fine games like Grim Fandango, Grim Fandango or even like something more recent like Broken Age, or it's going to be a reimagining slash remake of it. Mm, nice. um, so I could see it being like a like a reboot of Grim Fandango on um, Xbox uh, or something along those lines. Because Xbox bought that studio. Um, that studio is is great in their creativity for creating new like weird uh, games, but they also have this. Um, backlog of old ip like cult hits that some people are really into uh and i think it would make sense for microsoft to want them to use some of that ip for whatever their next project is as opposed to just having to start something new so um let me ask you this um and this is like when i was thinking about my predictions that are all playstation related um so when i'm i i know we're in we're now starting a new month and it's june and and uh i think they said like microsoft said they're going to talk about their first party uh this month and the uh, xbox uh damn it i can't even remember it's the, the xbox direct inside xbox there we go um yes. so where do you where do you uh fall on the rumors that the perfect dark reboot was going to be made is going to be made by the initiative Ah, I think I saw that floating around, but I don't I don't feel that strongly about it. I think it's possible, but I don't know. I never played Perfect Dark. <laughs> mm. You know, like that that age of gaming, especially on the Nintendo side, is a big like um kind of empty spot for me. Like I played most of these games later, um, through like remasters and virtual console and things like that. And I, I don't think Perfect Dark was ever even available again in any form, right? Yeah. Like that game just kinda died there and I don't know. I could see it happening. The only way you but... can play Perfect Dark is through Rare Replay. Yeah. Mm, I see. I also wonder, like, do you really think that that franchise or that name is, like, that valuable in 2020? <laughs> no, but I think they can. They can make Fetch a thing. I'm, I'm telling right. you. Right. Yeah. That's fair. That's, uh, I'm obviously doing a little joke about Mean Girls. Uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> they can. Uh, I think they can. I think there's uh, some cachet, especially with... Uh, uh, the, you know, the N64 gaming and like how people are like nostalgic for that. And I think they can, especially with, uh, you know, the initiative being as talented as they are, they can like just completely reimagine that world and just tell mm -hmm. it, it, an interesting story. Um, I think the IP can be, uh, you know, it can be a thing. Um, I kind of want to, I kind of want that to be my prediction, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know if that really is a prediction because it's already been so heavily rumored anyways. Um, it's kind of like, feels like me just jumping on the bandwagon, but yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. You can, you can throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would, um, 
I, I would honestly just rather take a new Banjo game over a Perfect Dark if we're talking about Rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we got Banjo and Smash, so that's, that's good. That's as good as it, uh, that's good enough for me at this point. So if you want to do Perfect, if Microsoft wants to do Perfect Dark, then by all means, uh, I think uh, Microsoft should do a better job anyways of managing their, their IP. Um, and dormant IP doesn't help them. So there it is. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. I think that's it for uh for for the topic. Unless you have something else, I went through all my predictions. Cool. Uh, that's uh, that's fair enough. I think uh, uh, this one doesn't it doesn't feel as uh, I don't feel as really like all amped up about my about my predictions like I did uh, when we did like an E three predictions on a previous podcast that we did together. But um... oh, that was so long ago, <laughs> dude. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I'm... Let me tell you something about that real quick. So we did that in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Right. And we're predicting twenty fifteen E three, if I remember yes, correctly. Yes. And uh, one of my friends who was like really into Bethesda was uh, because I think Fallout 4 had just come out or was about to come yeah, out. Yeah, was about to come no, out. I think it had just come out. I predicted okay. I predicted that uh, it was going to be announced and it's going to be coming out that year, like in the in the fall. And you were like, no way, that's too, that's too, that's too fast. And I'm like, no, bitch, it's going to happen. And I was so, <laughs> I was right. Yeah. And uh, my friend who's like predicting like some Bethesda stuff predicted in 2015 that he thought they were going to show... Like, or at least announce, like, show a logo or something for Elder Scrolls Six, <laughs> And, I mean, I thought, you know, it was kind of like an off-the-wall prediction. But it wasn't, like, totally out of left field if you consider that, like, you know, like, Skyrim had come out four years prior. And, you know, they were about to announce Fallout. But maybe they were going to show a logo to show, like, hey, after Fallout 4, Elder Scrolls Six will come, right? Um, so I feel like, while unlikely, very unlikely, it was not impossible, totally, uh, even though at the time we even, like, laughed at it. But it's so funny to think that it's been literally five years. And we all we have is a we, logo. And at this point, all we have is a logo. Yeah. So I just and even, like, somebody uh, from Bethesda tweeted out, like, don't ask me about uh, a Fallout because it's years away or something like that. Or not Fallout. Uh, yeah. Not Fallout. Elder Scrolls. Yeah. For, Elder Scrolls. Yeah, because yeah, they're working on Starlink. That seems to be like the one that we're gonna get, like probably like next year or something. And then and then the Elder Scrolls will probably come out like a few years after that. So yeah, dude, that's far. But yeah, it's kind of nuts um, when that kind of stuff happens. But these games are so big and they just take so long to make nowadays. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and end it here. It is time to end. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Remember, you can catch the podcast at readypressplay at gmail.com or simply at readypressplay on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at chakalaka88. Daniel? At the Daniel Lima. So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show, and all that good stuff. Uh, today, we're wrapping up with the Ready Press Play theme by Joel Perez, a.k.a. Waz. Enjoy. Deuces. Bye-bye.